this culture is, is what I teach most of my clients. Culture, culture, get the club. If you, if you only have a small gym, work on your culture. If you, if you work for a, a team, work on your culture. If you work in any kind of industry where you're a strength coach or a personal trainer in a company, work on the culture. Everything stems on culture. That's, that's my biggest learning, to see what the culture that we have built has impacted our, our organization. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Thomas Loams. Great to have you joining us again this week. On today's show, we have Mark Lambert, Director of High Performance and Strength Coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mark enters his ninth season with the Lightning, his second as Director of High Performance and Strength Coach, after previously serving as Strength and Conditioning Coach. He's an industry veteran with more than 20 years of experience, working with hundreds of athletes, ranging from the amateur ranks all the way up to the professional tiers, and obviously now with the Stanley Cup winning Lightning. Mark's responsible for overseeing all planning for in- and off-season player workout regimes to optimize performance and increase player physicality. Today's episode is brought to you by our partners at Conduct. We'd like to say a big thank you for uh, making this possible with Mark on the session today. If you want to learn some more about Conduct, probably the best place to go is uh, to the interview that we did with their founder, Travis McDonough, uh, earlier this year. So uh, fantastic success story of a AMS system, uh, a sports tech company coming out of Canada, uh, working with a range of professional clients, including, of course, these fantastic people at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Thanks once again to Conduct, and let's fire straight into the interview with Mark. Mark Lambert, Director of High Performance and Strength Coaching for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Welcome to Sports Tech World Series Australia Sports Technology Conference. Thank you very much. Good to be here. So obviously 2020 has been a year like no other, but it's been a very successful year for Tampa Bay Lightning. So congratulations, first of all, on your Stanley Cup victory, reaching that pinnacle in, in hockey, in, in global hockey, really, um, with the NHL. And, and we're going to focus a lot on 2020, obviously, for those two reasons, COVID-19, a global pandemic, but also how you've seen success through that. So a bit of scene setting, how has COVID-19 pandemic, how has that disrupted your training in the lead up to this, this season just gone? Well, uh, as, as with um, many other organizations, it, it disrupted our season, it disrupted our sport. So we got stopped on March 12th. And just, just to, to, to give a little overview of, of how our season works, our 12 months of the season works, is basically on September 15th, we, we have training camp, which is about three weeks. We start our season on October 5th, October 3rd, October 5th. And then we have 82 games over the span of about 170 to 175 days. So it's, it's, it's a fair amount of games. It's, it's almost a second day for six months or close to six months. <clears throat> so we got stopped on March 12th, meaning we had, I think, 10 games left in the season. Uh, and this leads right into the playoffs. So what happened is that we stopped. We had 10 games left. We didn't know when we would play again. Would it be a week? Would it be two weeks? Would it be a month? We, we had no idea right off the bat. A little later on, we got a better idea, but right off the bat, we didn't know. So obviously our practices stopped, our sport stopped. What you need to understand, first of all, there are 31 teams in the NHL, and it's important to understand, to visualize at least geographically, North America. So we are in Florida, which is obviously very warm. 
and the other teams in, in terms of latitude, this is all about, this is Canada and the US. And in terms of latitude, there are, I think we are at the, the Southern part and the most Northern team I think is 4,000 kilometers North. So in the month of March, we are in 22, 25 degree weather, which is, which is perfect, it's ideal. But the Northern teams are in sub, sub-zero weather. What happened for us, which was the best thing in the world, was that many of our players decided to stay home. Players were allowed to go wherever they were from. If they were from Sweden, they, they could go back to Sweden, wherever they were from, Czech Republic. However, in this temperature, many of our players stayed back. And that was our, that was our, that was a big savior in the sense that many of our players stayed here. I think at, at one point, I, we only had six or eight players out of town. Uh, out of how many? Out, out of the squad of how many? Good question, yes. So we carry 23 players when everybody's healthy. At the time, we had 26. So out of 26 players, I think, let's say 15 to 18 were always in town. That is a good point for us. Um, now, for the first 12 weeks, which was phase one, we were in a, a phase of isolation. So we weren't allowed to see them. But being in Florida, having two gyms, we have a gym at our practice facility and we have a gym at our game facility. Well, it was easy for us to set gyms at their homes, at, their, at our players' homes. So many of the players had already had gyms. So at the end, we had a lot of players who had available equipment, which is very different from, so that's my job in Tampa. If you take a, a strength coach who's in, in Canada, everybody was gone. They only had two or three players remaining. So what do you do? There's not much to do for them. So for us, it was very easy in the sense that, uh, I, I don't want to say easy, but it was, a, it was a blessing that many of our players were in town. And the psychological fact of being in your city, in your work city, gives you that mindset. It's a mindset of, I'm here to play hockey. I'm here to do what I do. So our players really, really trained hard. And what you, what you need to understand is that after playoffs, up until training camp, depending on how long the, 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 the playoffs last, if you make them, you are typical, my typical off season is 12 weeks. It's not very long, it's 12 weeks. I'm very happy when I have 15. But just for this first phase, what, what is important to understand is this, this, just this first phase, I had 12 weeks. I didn't know I was going to have 12 weeks, but eventually, eventually I ended up with 12 weeks. Of that, of that lockdown, lockout, where games weren't yeah. played. So it, you basically had going from not sure how long this is going to be, but you were given a, a preseason. Exactly. I was, I was giving an offseason, which is many people are negative um, this year, many people are negative, especially my counterparts. Many people are um, bitter about 2020, but for me, it's the opposite. I'm very positive about it because I had all this time to work with my players, and it's to me, it's been it's. It, I started in 1996, and it's my it, it was my 25th off season, and it's been my best. It was my best. Um, one of our players, one of our star players, increased his vertical jump by 14%. Now. You say, okay, vertical jump in hockey. Well, it's very simple. In hockey, the higher you the higher you jump, the faster you skate. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And this is one of our star players who was already very fast, but in the past he had already he had always had injuries or nagging little little injuries that he couldn't really train optimally. And this is the first time in his life where he trained really really well. And he had a he had a home gym and his vertical jump went up fourteen percent. He was he was he wasn't recognizable in training camp because we so we had that twelve weeks. And then we had a phase two, which was four weeks in our own facilities. And then we had training camp. So we had a total of uh, 17, 18, 18 weeks, um, 18 weeks before we went to the, uh, the bubble in the playoffs. So that 18 weeks is a lot of time to train. And we, our players really em- embraced it. And what, what really happened, and this is, this is actually, for me, it, it's quite relevant. Uh, it reveals a lot. When I was hired in 2011, my mandate from my boss was, you need to change the culture around here. Your mandate is to change the culture around here. Now, obviously, with one for one man, it's almost impossible, right? But I had a lot of help. And this year, I could definitely say that our culture had changed. And you could see it. When we came back for phase two, our players were happy to be together. They were happy to, to be playing hockey again which I know is very, very different on other teams. So the fact that geographically we were in a, uh, in a good, good setting was huge, huge for us to, uh, to keep training. And um, what's important to understand also is that when you get to the playoffs, after you've played 82 games in, in six months, you, get, you go right into the playoffs. Well, usually many, many players are not necessarily injured, but they've had, they've had nagging little, little, let's call them injuries. They're yeah. injuries. They're beat up. They're, they're, beat up. Yeah. they're very beat up. And now not only weren't we beat up, but we all, we had, we took all this time to train, to train well, to train hard. So when we got to the playoffs, we, we, we felt good about it. We felt really good about our chances, and I, and I know it's the it's the it's the same story for every other team. However, every other team didn't have their players in town, and it's funny when you think about it. Also, if you take three of the four remaining teams at the end, the final four, three teams were in the South, so us, Tampa Bay, uh, Las Vegas, and Dallas, and all those three those three teams had many players staying in their home cities during during COVID. So. I don't have any, you know, I don't, I don't have the statistics on that, but it's, it's, it's interesting to see. Mm, yeah, definitely. There's environmental factors that um, can sometimes be overlooked, but are a reality of, of going to train and, and being able to stay and wanting to stay as well, wanting to stay in the, in the heat and, and, and train there. So that was, I guess, a lot of the positives that kind of came out of what were some of the, the biggest challenges that you faced during this period? It's funny because I've had this conversation many times in the past six months. And like I said, this has been my, my favorite off season in 25 years. Um, obviously did we have challenges? Of course we had, we had a few players who, um, who had pregnant wives. So, you know, not knowing much about COVID-19, you don't want to get it. You know, I mean, yeah. most, most, most professional athletes aren't scared of getting it. But you certainly don't want to put your your family at risk, and those players had to stay home. 
we had a couple of those. So they, they didn't want to, to, to leave their home. So that was a little bit more challenging in the sense that you, <laughs> you, need to, you need to figure out what you can do without equipment because those, only one of those players had an, um, a gym, a home gym, and the other two lived in an apartment. Mm. So it was, it, that was a little challenging. I'd say that it's, it's funny because the most challenging part was that wasn't with our team. Um, I do, I do a lot of mentoring for, for coaches, for strength coaches. And, um, one of my clients who's actually in Melbourne, um, and, and in Melbourne, I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the, the, the rules, but you can't leave your home. Um, you basically you're stuck at home. Yeah. If you, it was one of the, um, most stringent lockdowns anywhere in the world. It's just recently lifted. Um, but there'd be quite a few people listening from Melbourne that would be, more than familiar uh, with that, right? And uh, so, what he did with his with his team is that at, at a certain point he was stuck. He, okay, what else can I do? So he one of the things we found to do, and which proved very, uh, very, uh, it worked out very well, was that he he put the players in groups of three, and he said, okay, well, this week player A dictates the program. Player B on second week dictates the program. And on week three is player C. So the players would actually write the programs. He would oversee them, obviously. But uh, that, that, was, that, that worked out very well for him. Um, and is, is that part of the, having, the, I guess, the creativity um, and the lack of monotony? That's certainly something just from a, a personal viewpoint. I'm certainly not an elite hockey player. Um, can't even skate. But uh trying to repeat workouts and things like that and and also um in terms of the dynamicism of dynamicism of your workouts is is that something that helped i guess that they were changing it up well that's the point you say monotony at at, at some point when you have no equipment it's very difficult to do olympic lifting without equipment (laughs) you know so at one point, you have to be very creative. Is it is it optimal? Absolutely not. We all we all understand that, but it's optimal under the circumstances. So they'd have to find you know exercises and, and use the stairs and use whatever means of resistance that they could uh, to to create a certain a certain stimulus. Um, and on the other on the other hand, I had a player who I, who I've been training for a long time. I've been training him since two thousand two. Who played in Minsk. And they had zero restrictions, <laughs> so there's a zero challenge, zero zero challenge there. So it it, it depends geographically where everybody is. Um, you know, I'm I'm from Montreal, Canada, and uh, right now everything everything's on lockdown, so it's it's very difficult. However, here in Tampa, we have a lot. We can maneuver a lot more. We can we can we can go about our we can go about our day and, and gyms are open, you know, our facilities here are open. So geographically, unfortunately, that's, that's a big, big, big change. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I mean, speaking about all this and, and, and obviously remote training. So that first phase, you couldn't see players face to face. They couldn't come into the facility. Phase two, you had a little bit more freedom. They could come in if they were there. And then um, a few of those players that were back home um, couldn't come in at all. So what role does technology play in, in facilitating this training? Well, the, the technology for the players who were at home, 
there, there wasn't much. I mean, I have, well, obviously FaceTime and FaceTime and Zoom as we're, as we're doing now, but I, I, I created my own platform on Excel with all my, my programs that I make and I have videos and, and, and attached to them. So I can, I can send that very easily. Um, typically, typically what I do in season is I, I use uh, a Zephyr. I don't know if everybody's familiar with a Zephyr, but it, it gives me a, a physiological load, gives me a um, mechanical load, HRV. Um, and then I'll use, you know, force plates, uh, a gym aware. Uh, but, but, in the off season, typically what I use is I use an, the Aura Ring for, for sleep and I use a glucose monitor. Um, and the glucose monitor is, is actually what I think prevented a lot of quote unquote obesity. Um, because we, we do that, in the, well, we, whoever wants to do it does it in the off season. So everybody is, is aware of their own glycemic index for a certain food. And uh, that's what we were able to use, especially during COVID, the isolation where players were weren't moving as much, mm. um, so so you know the, the tendency to overeat and the boredom is is not a good combination. Netflix and a tub of ice cream, yeah, absolutely. And uh, when we got to the playoffs, that actually helped us quite a bit too because we could we could tailor um, food, let's say, uh, individually depending on everybody's response. So it it. It helped, but during COVID, I'd say, you know, other than a computer and, and, and a camera, that, that was the only I could use, really. Mm. I mean, how did, you, how did you manage all that, I guess, with the multiple, um, I guess, multiple programs, multiple athletes across that? How do you... Well, that's a good question. We, we had time. So I, in, my, in my home, I have, uh, I have a, a power rack and a platform, and I have, I have, I have a full working gym in, in my home. So I could, I could easily FaceTime and we, we had groups. We had a group at 8.30, group at 9.30, group at 10.30. So my mornings were all busy during COVID. It was a lot busier than, than most. So it was great. I loved it. Um, it was challenging in the sense that you're not with your athlete. So it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, difficult to, the, the, the communication is different, but you certainly, you learn different communication skills. Hmm. And in terms of tracking their performance and understanding, I guess, benchmarking, um, how did you go about doing that? Well, we, we typically know what we, what we lift. And since we use a gym aware quite a bit, we have, so if you, so obviously players didn't all have a gym aware. So that's, you know, we, we knew, we knew what kind of, we knew our benchmarks. We knew, we knew what kind of weights that they typically use. So, when we got to phase two, when we got back in our facilities, then we were able to use them again. And we have a big, big board in, in our gym. And, and for example, we'll have a certain lift and everybody will write their weight and their speed. And we have, we have a, a speed to reach and you know, there, it makes a big competition. So players were, uh, players were real happy to see that competition back and then to, to write new numbers on that board. <laughs> Yeah, certainly in terms of motivating and um, that kind of healthy competition within the teammates. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned at the beginning, 2020, you're like no other, incredibly unique. Um, and that, I guess, bonus 12-week off-season that, that you had uh, is, is different to anything else. And it's going to be different 2021 and beyond that. Are there things that you're 
taking forwards into future seasons that you've learnt from this year? Or is 2020 such an anomaly that, you know, it, it's a statistical outlier. It's not necessarily worth taking anything from it, apart from obviously the Stanley Cup win. <laughs> we'll take that every year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? I think... I think this, unfortunately, I think this started a time of fear. And as soon as we see another virus somewhere, I'm afraid, I, I fear that we will shut down everything again. Uh, hopefully not, obviously. Hopefully it goes the other way around and say, well, you know what? Let's, let's do it another way. Um, but yeah, I think everything we did I think we, we, we will learn from. I think not only that, I think organizations will change the way. So right now we are afraid of travel and we are preparing this next season. Um, still don't know when we'll start, but I think that the, the NHL and probably other, other leagues will change the way they do things in, ter in terms of, for example, instead of, like I said, you know, we travel a lot. We have 31 cities. We play 82 games. We play 41 at home. We play 41 away. I'll give you an example. Last year, during, during a, a one-week span, we had, during a seven-day span, we had seven games. I'm sorry, seven days. We had five games in five different cities. And we traveled, so five games in seven days in five different cities traveling about, I think it was 13 or 14,000 dollars. So that is a lot of traveling. And I think that will be addressed. I think yeah. we may cut down on, on, on a lot of traveling, cut down a lot of um, risks. Uh, but in terms of what I do, I mean, I'll, I, all I can do is keep doing what I do and prepare. Mm. I think I think the preparation is is even is even more important. I mean, I've already we've already bought a lot of equipment. I, I carry when we went to the playoffs, we went to the bubble. I don't know if everybody's familiar, but we went to Toronto. We were in one hotel room, uh, twelve teams, and actually in two, in two hotels, but in one bubble. The two hotels were in the same. Uh, but I brought equipment there just in case, you know, we have 12 teams. So you don't know if you're going to have access to, to, to equipment. So I bought some, when we went to Edmonton, brought it over. So uh, I think it's just the preparation for, and that, that may be equipment that I carry everywhere we go now. I mean, mm -hmm. I, haven't, I haven't thought all of that tr uh, through, but that certainly is a possibility. My biggest learning is, like I said, when I got hired, it, it was all about culture. And the fact that we embraced all of this has, has a lot to do with our culture. And our, like, you should, we don't even know when the, the, the season is going to start again, but we sh you should see our players right now training. They are all in. They're happy to see each other. They're happy to come and train. They're not even skating much. They don't, they don't even want to skate. All they're doing is training. Uh, they're happy to be together. Um, so this, this, this culture is, is what I teach most of my clients. Culture, culture, get the club. If you, if you only have a small gym, work on your culture. If you, if you work for a team, work on your culture. If you work in any kind of industry where you're a strength coach or a personal trainer in a company, 
work on the culture. Everything stems on culture. That's, that's my biggest learning to see what the culture that we have built has impacted our, our organization, whether, whether you win or not, that that's, that's, that's a, it's, it's usually a byproduct, um, mm. you know, because obviously many teams have, have a good culture, um, and one will beat another. So, but if you don't have that culture, it's very tough, very tough to go far and very tough to go far together, especially in pro sports where it, it is a grind. It is mm. a grind. season is usually a, a grind. Yeah. And in the context of 2020, facing something so uncertain and then um, as a pandemic and seeing as an opportunity and that resiliency. And as you said, being excited to have that extra time to train. So then you're coming into the playoffs and you're not coming in fatigued and, and kind of a little bit over it. You're coming in mentally and physically at your peak. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. We were able to peak. That's, that's, that's the, the, the best thing about it because usually players come in in September and then they kind of lose that full performance when, you know, when the playoffs come around seven months later. So this year we were able to, 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 to go into the playoffs with a peak, which is, which is, that is an anomaly. Um, although it should be that way, but uh, that's what we were able to do as opposed to some of the teams. I don't want to say all teams, but some of the teams. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So, Thank you so much for your time. It's, it's been a really interesting discussion. Learn a lot about that in, in terms of the, the main takeaway for me is obviously culture that you were, you were pointing to and um, that winning is a byproduct of that, but the incredibly important part of, of setting up that good team culture because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how the season's going to go. You don't know what's going to go, where 2020 has proved that time and time again. But even in a normal season, um, facing injuries, you know, a star player goes out injured, whatever else that is, um, disruption in the season, uh, the ability to be resilient and focus on that team goal um, to keep training. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mark. I really appreciate it. And uh, we will uh, hopefully speak to you again soon. Thank you very much, Thomas. Appreciate it. And there you have it. That was Mark Lambert, Director of High Performance and Strength Coach at Tampa Bay Lightning. Really interesting to see how they saw uh, 2020 is a, a little bit of an opportunity, uh, being able to have all their players together in one place uh, down south to enjoy that sunshine in Florida. Uh, and then really that it was the culture and the mentality uh, that enabled them to come back and, and really train train hard and basically get a get a bonus preseason out of it. So obviously all of that is enabled by technology, making sure that they're doing the right load management, uh, doing the right programming. Uh, as we mentioned, this episode was brought to you by Conduct, which is the uh, athlete management system of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So once again for their partnership for this episode and also in a range of other things that we do at the Sports Tech World Series. If you'd like to learn more about us at Sports Tech World Series, you can go to the website, sportstechworldseries.com. Until next week, though, I've been your host, Thomas Loams. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you again in the new year. 